Welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. <laughs> and we've got a good episode for you today, folks. Uh, we're, we're going to be uh, doing another installment of This Week in Pop Culture History for our Retro Roundtable. And uh, we're going to divulge what that information is here very shortly with our old-timey radio reel. I love it. Well, that's me. Well, that's you. <laughs> Then we're going to be welcoming to the show Muhammad Abdel Khalik to first join us for the comic Vault, and then uh, we're going to be talking with him about his comic Tut in Fruits of Labor. But before we do all that, Jake. Yo, guys, let me be real with you for a second. (laughs) We put a lot of work into our Twitter and Instagram, uh, so you should probably check us out there. Twitter is at CannedAirPod, the Instagram at Canned underscore Air, and boy, it would sure mean a lot if you look at our stuff and laugh and maybe like and retweet here and there. Just a thought. That would be nice. Yeah. Don't forget, we're also on Patreon, so if you like what we do, throw a couple bucks our way. It is more appreciated than I think you know. We need to talk up the Patreon more when we mention the Patreon, because... People need to know what they're getting. That's true. They need to know what they're getting. There is a catalog building on there of a Candare show that you can only get through being a Patreon backer. And it's only going to get better. Isn't that the truth? And, uh, what it's turned into is kind of like behind the scenes, I guess. We just are kind of lax, chilling. We're not holding any information from you. Uh, how else would I... No format. It's a very... Um... Free form's not quite It's like we've stopped recording. Almost casual. You're just hanging out with your buddies. Yeah. And there. You're hanging out. Yeah, you know us at that point. Yeah. Yeah. We're tight. We're like this. You can't see the gesture because this is an audio format, but I think you know what I'm driving That's at. disgusting, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With a couple of prudes here in the booth. <laughs> All right. And well, with that button be- back up and we'll keep going. <laughs> that behind us. <laughs> Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Round Table. Show me what you got. What you got? Grass! Hate bad. This week in pop culture history, 1937. King Kong opens at the Radio City Music Hall to raucous praise. 1960, Lucille Ball filed for divorce from Desi Arnaz. What a shame. 1997, Daria premieres on MTV, setting the tone for sarcastic assholes for generations to come. 1998, Titanic becomes the first movie to gross over $1 billion worldwide. Wow, good work, James. 2002, The Osbournes premieres on MTV. The final seal has been opened. Gabriel is blowing his horn. The world has already ended. I love it. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about reality TV. The Osbournes seem to really uh, kind of... I don't, I don't know if they were officially the first, but they seem to really shepherd in that era of television. I think that, I can at least say from personal experience, that's when my awareness of reality TV as a concept really kind of flourished. I was like, 
oh man, this is going to be television now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, it, it yeah. created a precedent that just it absolutely fucked everything did. up. I guess that it. was more based in reality because the real world was before that, but that was mostly just a bunch oh, of kids getting the together. The real world, kind yeah. of there, but I, I don't weren't really you, competing though. You couldn't really shake the uh, the stagedness. Well, yeah, of the, the Osborns weren't competing or anything. Yeah. No, it, was it wasn't just like, like no hey, look how burnt out he is. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of the whole draw. Not that there weren't staged. Sorry. I don't know how to help Jesus that Christ. Here. Thanks, Skynet. Doot, doot. <laughs> doot, doot. <laughs> Is this what you asked for? Um, no, uh, really quick, what we're going to be talking about, though, in this segment is not only reality TV, but the effects it's had on television and on the world. Uh, the collapse of Western culture Pretty for much. 500. Yep. One of the many collapses of Western culture uh, <laughs> that we've established on this show here. But it's funny how, you know, when you first get the idea of when you when it first came to be, I guess with the Osbournes being the first very prominent in your face example, um, you know, you're kind of naive to the concept like, wow, we're actually looking in on someone's real life. And, you know, you actually <laughs> yeah. you come to see later, you know, it's just as scripted as anything else. I mean, they don't have scripts, but. It's sure as fuck not real. Well, if you think yeah. the producers have normal. no part in the events, then you're out of your mind. And, and I think that's the thing that freaks me out about reality television, certainly now, probably back then as well, is that, I don't know, people buy into it. Mm -hmm. Still, yeah. there's this idea. It's like, this is like, this is real. This is really happening. It's that's not. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you know there's a third Osborne child? Just didn't want to be on the show? No. Well, there is. <laughs> An older one, yeah. Huh. Didn't That's want to be on the show. Wild. How real is that? That's too real. <laughs> it's too real. Mm. Send little Judy upstairs for the last time kind of stuff. <laughs> I was going to say, was that, their, was that the person, the, the Osborne's name, Judy? But then I realized it was the Family Matters. Family <laughs> Matters reference. I'm glad yeah. someone got it because I was like, oh, shit. She died Oh, shit. There. She's floundering. <laughs> <laughs> so where do we begin? Where do we start with reality TV? Where do we dig our clothes in? I don't know. Starting it, with the Osborne's, it was... Kinda different to take the stigma from the Prince of Darkness, Ozzy, away because he was supposed to be so evil, but then actually <laughs> see in their daily life that he was just a bumbling old man yeah. that yeah talked intelligibly. No matter how much I see of Ozzy, it never downplays the fact that wow he bit off the head of a fucking bat. Yeah, <laughs> like no matter how decrepit or disheveled or accident, air quotes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Still did it. <laughs> I'd do it. You would? Everyone's still talking about it. Right? Well, you know, we've got a show coming up here really soon. Maybe we can really wow the audience you, by having the first... No, we're not Do you think I'm that. bluffing right now? Depends on the bat. I really don't. Okay. Good. I really don't. <laughs> Glad we're on Depends the same on page. Depends on the bat. I'm going to give you a fucking well, those little fruit bat. Fruit bats, the little bitty <laughs> ones, oh, or yeah. the big, like, right. flying You mean the, the fun-sized little mini-muffin fruit bats? Yeah, give me the... Try to bite its head of off, bites. and it's just mauling on his cheek. <laughs> Help! <laughs> Guys, it backfired. It's biting back. It's biting back. Christ, it's carrying him off. <laughs> Boy, did that really go down a fox hole. Anywho, reality TV, <laughs> From the Osbournes to large bat mutilations. <laughs> to, to me, it's... I think of reality TV show the same way I think of, like, pro wrestling, which is something I'm not into personally, but is apparently a, a, a really a huge comparison. cultural force, especially in, like, the indie comic scene, the mm -hmm. podcasting scene. It seems like there are a oh lot of God, people yeah. covering this subject, where, as I understand, because I had a friend who's into pro wrestling, and uh, he, he explained it to me once. He said, look, yeah, no, obviously it's not real. 
the physicality is, the theatrics are not. And so the audience is kind of divided into two groups. And this is like industry standard system of belief. You've got the people who believe what they're seeing just inherently, Uh probably because they're not very smart. And you've got the people who understand the, the staging and and the scriptedness the storytelling. of it, yeah. But they allow themselves to be taken in by the story because to them it's theatrical. You right. know what I mean? It's wrestling. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you you probably see those two camps when it comes to reality television. The Boy, people that who is are really just, good. I yeah, enjoy I, that. It's just one. You know, the people who just inherently just eat yeah. what they're fed. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, this is that's real. And yeah. the people who are like, look, this is garbage. But I like it, you know? Yeah. Well, oh, for sure. Which then is a guilty pleasure for sure. those people. But um, I don't know. I was just thinking of Survivor. And I don't know if that's really reality TV or not. That's, I, I'd say that's one of the only of reality of. TV shows that I was ever kind of engrossed in. I I remember when it premiered, and that came before the Osbournes. That was in the '90s, wasn't it? The late '90s, uh, late late '90s, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I missed when that came because I was in Germany in the military, and I came back, and it was all oh Survivor, and I was like, oh, my mom was about it. Like she even made a video trying to get on that shit. Dude, I was in the single digits when that was popular. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, it, I remember the first season. It was pretty pretty cool, but. You know, as I don't know, they made it seem like they were really out there, but they weren't. Like after the shows no. were over, you learned that there's like craft service tables and shit like feet <laughs> Was away. Was it from really? Them. Oh yeah. Oh sure. I didn't know that because I always I didn't understand the show. I mean, how it worked that just all these people were stuck on an island and they had to go do tasks. It made no sense. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, they're not out like fucking hunting wild boar and like. Just bloody faced eating it in the woods. Oh, I'd you watch know, the hell out of that. That'd be better watching. Yeah, right. Well, I guess you kind of get that with Naked and Afraid. Have you ever watched that show? Yeah. All right. So here's the thing, though. That concept, the like hardcore wilderness survival. You got your bear grills. You're naked and afraid, dude. You thought Survivor was bad with the craft services. At the end of every shooting, evident. I read at some point from probably uh, not a credible source that Bear Grylls stays at a nice. Hotel set up oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. on site. I heard about that, yeah. Yeah, and just in like a few hours at a stretch, does the recording and then retires to his stately bedroom where he feasts and sleeps in comfort. The, the actual contestant on the show? Well, anybody on the show, but like Bear Grylls, Survival, all that He that does guy. his own thing. You know, I'm going to go out here in the middle of somewhere Drink and drink my own urine. Yeah. Oh, like Man vs. Wild. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's, yeah, the, yeah. that's the show. Man okay. Well, yeah, I was going to say. No, I thought you were saying the naked and afraid people were only out like naked in the woods for like a couple hours at a time. Then oh, probably so. Yeah. Crap services is here. Drop with the and put some <laughs> so, clothes on. Come oh get some God. food. Throw on a robe. <laughs> that show seems pretty legit because you you watch these people like over the span of what a half hour like lose serious amounts of weight. Yeah. Get fucked up and um, there is no way they I have don't. to quit and go home and the other person wins pretty much. There's no way I would do it. Never in a million years would I ever agree to the, that. The only thing that would stop me from doing it, I think, is uh, I, don't, I don't want people to see my gross, flabby body on <laughs> national television. Yeah. If I can do it in private, like, all right, you got to survive an entire month naked alone in the forest. I'd be like, fuck yeah. Well, they, they blur out just the private parts. Yeah, I but know. But I feel like they had to get like some grotesque people in there where they just blur the whole fucking yeah. thing. Just, the, just a little just, face is shown through a whole body blur. Just see a smudge with a head walking around. <laughs> 
What's this green screaming, Tom? I mean, he's looking pretty nasty. Uh, let's welcome Jake, a soft, shitty person. We're going to drop into <laughs> the like middle of the ozone. <laughs> <laughs> Big black box with a head. Uh, now, for you folks at home, you can't see it. Uh, he is carving a spear right now, whittling in that day. <laughs> Um, one thing that reality TV has really done was uh, brought an end, not completely, but sharp decline in the live studio audience kind of a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, That's not you, what people want anymore. No, but there are still shows doing it, like Big Bang Theory or Two and a Half Men. About anything you find on ABC, I guess, or yeah. CBS. But um, a lot of shows and a lot of popular shows, look at The Office, you know, Modern Family, um, they're filmed as a reality show. Exactly. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. fake reality shows. Mm-hmm. So it's it's leaked into that medium. And when you start looking at most sitcoms, whether they address that fact or not, that's, you know, The Office addressed the fact, you know. Yes. Yeah. You It's like what? They were making a documentary yeah. about just They the even wrap it up life. at the end of the series. All do they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there are shows, I think, that take that same approach and maybe even have maybe not so much people venting to a camera, but uh, and never, you know, make light of it. They just it's just a new filming technique. You know it's, what I mean? It's almost the standard. You just where of... you don't have a fixed camera. You're you like the camera. Like if I'm watching you is kind of always shifting a little. Yeah, uh, it's know. almost like, you know, I, I like Parks and Recreation. Exactly. Which is in a lot of ways kind of a sister program to the office. Sure. I, I remember yeah. when that came out and thinking, oh, it's it's office like they sort of start with that pretense that like, oh, they're filming a reality show within the story. But they kind of abandon that halfway through. They still have the little asides where people address the camera. I guess you'd even say the audience. But it's, I don't think it's given any attention later on the fact that there's like some camera crew following them around. And even the cinematography seems to suggest it's just a sitcom where they occasionally break the fourth wall. You know, it's, it's interesting. Huh. It's just what you're saying where Modern that's just how like things are done. Yeah. And you, you don't even really need to address it anymore. People just kind of take it at face value. You're just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Shows. But that's, it's such an interesting evolution, isn't it, though? Yeah. I mean, it's so, it's so unique. I don't know. It's hard. Maybe I'm thinking too hard about it. No, but. no, I totally get it. Create something that's kind of absurd. One medium influences another to where it mimics it without even yeah. being aware of it anymore. It's it, The irony is lost like three layers in. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it's, so you get to see more depth of where the people are because, like, when you're watching a TV, if they're they're always sitting in the living room and you never see that wall that's they're facing, but with these yeah. shows, you get to see like the whole area that they're in, like yeah. the '70s show, the kids in the basement. You oh, never yeah, saw the, the wall the TV was resting yeah. against, you know. But yeah. uh, there's no sets; they're, they're actually filming on lo- on locations mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, yeah, definitely pulls you in a lot more, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else we got, guys? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on my soapbox for a second. This is a, a point I've been making more and more lately. I don't want to give the impression that I'm some kind of politically minded, energized, active, change the world kind of person. I'm just lamenting the fact that everything kind of sucks. I think reality television is just the perfect tool for keeping people stupid. It gives you something dramatic mm-hmm. to worry about, to talk about, to redirect you from the shit that matters i just boy i never feel more like a cog in the machine than reality tv is on you know let's say all the competition shows like all the even the cooking ones yeah that there's always some kind of battle that two people are against each other and they just kind of make drama 
Do, do those fall into... Uh, that's one thing I was wondering in, uh, when prepping for this. Do those kind of shows fall into the category of reality show, or do they fall to game show, like Chopped? Something I'd say like they're, you know, they're, I they're think reality, yeah. the line is indistinct these days. Or like Face Off, something like that, or like Project Runway. or so, Are those considered more of a like game show, or is that reality? I took them as well, reality. Well, think of it this way. Do you want to call it a game show? I totally get the logic. Mm-hmm. You know how when you're watching Chopped... Somebody like, oh, I burnt my kale or whatever the hell. You probably can't even burn kale. I don't think you do anything to kale that burns it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just say, oh, I burnt my kale. And then it hard cuts to the dude sitting in the little chair in the interview room. It's like, I've just burnt my kale. There are five minutes left on the clock. (laughs) What do I do? Did they stop the clock so he could have this little aside? No. I've always wondered how they do that. happens that is predestined you know things are going to happen in this flow they record reactions before or after the fact splice them in to give the illusion of continuity you know what right, i'm saying right 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 sure i've always wondered how they did that like they'll record the whole program or the competition or whatever and then what they do take that contestant sit there and all right so what happened here and then just say, go, talk. Oh, I burnt my kale. And then, oh, you know, no. That's exactly what they do. After the, after it it's over, they pull them aside and they film them, put a camera in front of them and have them talking about their whole experience, maybe playing it up dramatically. And then, yeah, like they just chop it into pieces. No, lace it in. off and I really wanted to be on here. This is my life. Oh, I quit my job ass. so I can come on the show and win the money. I'm glad you said that because that just brings up one of my biggest pet fucking peeves. <laughs> Is when these shows start, and uh, you know, I don't. I'm not a big fan of uh, a lot of television. Period. I mean, I've got like you know Rick and Morty and stuff like that. South Park. I love to watch that kind of stuff. But as far as reality TV goes, I can't think of. I watch Comic Book Man, but that is so, so far far out, yeah. off of reality. <laughs> There's not even close. Um, oh, hey, really quick. We're all hoping Kevin Smith gets better soon. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, no shit. That's a bummer. Uh, it looks like, yeah, had he waited any longer, he would have he would have died. That's, yeah. a, that's a scary thought. Very scary. Um, I, dude, I feel it. I'm not too far off. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, but what I'm getting at is all these shows now have... The one I was watching was American Ninja Warrior. That That's so much fun to watch. Watch those <laughs> yeah, people bounce off show. those obstacles. Sure. It's fun. But why? Why do we have to see their sob stories? Mm-hmm. My mom died just last year. And I, <laughs> she was an intricate part of my training, and I'm going to do this. I don't fucking care. You I know, built it's, my own ninja warrior. Because you've got practice. a finite amount of concern and empathy you can muster up on a daily basis, and if they burn it out with some sob story bullshit on a TV oh. show, you can't bring it with you to the polls. But I don't know why I'm supposed to care. Yeah, I feel for anyone who's lost somebody. Of course I do. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a horrible thing to go through. But we've all, we've all gone through people. it. We've, all, we've gone. all gone through it. I think what it keeps it keeps people wanting to come back to watch to see if they're yeah. if they make it and they keep going and if they're going to end up winning at the end. I don't know. Maybe there's just a little part of me that's <clears> dead, <throat> but I could give a fuck <laughs> about these people. Run your obstacle and then let's bring I'm the next guy I'm here to see up. you run into an iron ball and fall into a lake. That's you know? exactly it's, right. That's it. That I, is it. Your I don't personal watch life football. matters not. I, don't, I mean, I don't watch football, but I don't watch it to see the, the guy, the quarterback and his sob story. I watch it yeah. for the team to win the game. Oh, watch, American I mean, Ninja War, Warrior is about as close as I get to actual sports. You know, same talking here. about American <laughs> Ninja Warrior, I feel like I'd be missing an opportunity if I didn't discuss the greatest reality TV show of all time. Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. That's the name of the show? Yeah. I don't know. You have never seen Uh -uh. MXC, 
Okay, no. do you guys remember the channel Spike way back when, when it came <clears throat> yeah, out? It's yeah. still, like, limping around, bleeding out. But before then, it was, like, television for men. And it was, yeah, like, yeah. Die Hard every day for six hours every day. Die Hard. And they had this show called MXC, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Isn't that where the, the, the robots that fought each other originated? No. Or maybe that's where they went to. What was that? That was sci-fi, wasn't it? Sci-fi. It's oh, sci-fi you're thinking Battlebots Battle Battle on sci-fi. Yeah. This was the footage from an old Japanese show, very much in the same vein as American Ninja Warrior, called Takeshi's Castle. Think American Ninja Warrior, obstacle courses, weird hazardous games, with the absurdity cranked up to 12, then they ripped off the knob. And they dub over it with the most unlikely voices and accents and personalities imaginable. This is a show that's been dead for a long time, but I watched obsessively back in the day. Uh, the the two hosts, which is one of them's a very famous Japanese actor, writer, director, singer, kind of hero of the country, uh, Takeshi something or another, hence the name. In the American version, MXC, where they dub it all over, the hosts are Kenny Blankenship and Vic Romano. (laughs) Obviously not the names of these two Japanese men in full period-specific Japanese attire. (laughs) Every contestant, they attribute a personality, an occupation, a weird voice. Mm. They add in absurd sound effects. I'm not doing it justice by explaining it, but it's, it's kind of brilliant. Sounds like it. Yeah. It'd be worth checking out a clip one of these days. Didn't when BattleBots came back in its second run, it was on Spike? I think it was then? on Spike for a while. Yeah, it might, I think it started on Spike. Yeah. I did like BattleBots a up. lot. BattleBots was the shit. See, the thing is, though, you could win every fight by now having that, a wedge-shaped robot. That's not going to be reality. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. But this isn't—that's not a reality show. That's definitely sports. That's more though. of a game show. Yeah. What about the way of life that it's made for certain people? There are people who desperately try to get themselves a reality TV show, and there oh, are people man. who. Have cameras just in, like I think of uh, what was it? Small people, big world, little people, big world, oh, or whatever. Yeah. And like John and Kate plus eight, yeah, those yeah. kind of shows mm. where there's just I don't. I think those are probably more reality based than like sure. the Osbournes were, where you're there's just a situation that's filming the undeniable. chaotic life, you know, that they lead. Yeah, like yes, these are little people. Yes, these people have eight kids. And the reality probably stops about there. So it's taking just average Joes, you know. And making them world, you know, famous. I mean, well, that's that's the culture now. Look at things like uh, that website You Now, where you literally just live broadcast yourself doing stupid shit. Most people just do chin ups and play rap music, or like Facebook Live, where you can have a live feed of whatever the hell you're up to mm. at the time. That's what we associate with fame: just being watched. You know. Mm. Well, there's that one yeah. family called the K- Kardashians. That oh yeah. God, fancy their little. They were rich, and now they're even more rich and even more famous now because they don't do anything. (laughs) Their bank account is a catamari of cash. Mm -hmm. I mean, that thing is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. God, I am less afraid of the idea of nuclear war because of the Kardashians. It's helped me get over that phobia. I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's a good call. (laughs) (laughs) I'll die someday, but so will they, and you know that's good enough. Of course, they could be like the cockroaches of the humans and just crawl out, populate the earth. You'd have to imagine this has taken its toll on uh, you know actual actors and stuff (laughs) trying Mm -hmm. to get. Yeah, I mean that market had to dry up severely. I mean, imagine how many aspiring actors or even you know people who had been on TV lost their jobs or couldn't get jobs and. Probably been forced into a whole nother career as a result, you know? Never thought about that. The the new resume 
for modern fame is the leaked sex tape, right? Yeah. That's how, yeah, you, yeah. Uh, that's how you hit the scene. But you've got to have somewhat of a status before you release a sex yeah. tape. I mean, if I put a sex tape up, no one's going to watch that <laughs> shit. Like, oh, I don't want to see this All guy. Right. No. Who's he? I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> Why isn't there a girl there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say, this is my least favorite sex tape I've watched in a long time. What's he doing to that side? <laughs> oh, oh no. Uh oh! Jeremy Colley presents Fruit in the Loom. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my. Oh my god, I think on that note We might uh, just yeah, start talking let's, about let's Society 6 I'm not even going to try to segue <laughs> that That was no too beautiful Easy transition <laughs> But yeah, people, we have shirts on Society 6 We sure do dot No com socks, but For slash Pod. <laughs> no socks for you to fuck, but you can fuck a t-shirt <laughs> All of our shirts have been gently mm. kissed by Jeremy And that's a guarantee mm-hmm. Yes, with my lips Nothing Important else. Distinction. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about uh, fucking the shirts. I don't want them to I, think the kiss that'd came be from. Gross. <laughs> oh yeah, man, this really got to an icky, uh, icky. Our shirts are. I so want to take a shower already. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah, we haven't. Oh, okay. Yeah. I They're factory direct. We don't ever factory touch direct. We don't, Thank we don't you. Touch the we, shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's important to note that we don't contact the shirts in any capacity. No. They come straight from the manufacturer, straight to your house. The sh- everything does. The shirts, the mugs, the clocks, the towels, whatever. is on, what, What's on there? Clocks, towels, stickers. Oh, yeah. The decals. Rugs. The decals are great. Yeah, they are. The decals are... The t-shirts are solid. I, I can vouch yeah, for them. Yeah. I bought multiple myself, but the uh, the decals, my God. I mean, those are some high-quality decals. Coffee mugs are really nice, too. They got that big, True. big coffee mug too. It's like, Looks like twenty a stein, ounce or yeah. something. Yeah, coffee mugs big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're it's not, not small. small. No, no. no. <laughs> What's that? I got you, honeycomb. The cereal. Oh, the cereal yeah. commercial. I, I knew it sounded familiar. I got there. Jake's I got, got jokes. There. Jake has jokes. Society six dot com forward slash candair pod. Go get that candair moich. And now joining us to talk about some comics in the comic vault and then to talk about his comic, Tut in Fruits of Labor, Muhammad Abdel Khalid. Thanks so much for being with us today, man. Thanks for having me. And you're just in time for the comic vault. I love this segment. Always, We've had very good comic vaults recently. Everything that's been brought to the table has been very intriguing. This is like the fulcrum of our whole show. It all kind of teeters and totters. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I, I've been making a joke over the fact, like, this time, I'm really going to look. <laughs> Sunday, I went to the store and I looked up all the books that I could. I mean, there was a lot of webcomics. So proud book, of you. I did. I yeah. was proud of myself. I had them all in my hand. I didn't buy any of them. Well, I, that's <laughs> That was never part of the agreement. Yeah. You only ever said we're going to check it out for yeah. sure. I was there for Kick-Ass, the new Kick-Ass yeah. series. Come you on. looked up webcomics <laughs> at the comic book store? No, I'm saying I looked up all the comics that weren't webcomics. Oh, oh, oh. Like the Superman for Tomorrow that uh, last week's guest brought, right. uh, Ashley. And then uh, the week before, Invincible was talked about. Mm-hmm. That's just started its final run. I was looking at that. They all look amazing, but... Uh, I didn't have much money to spend. Made good day. on that promise, though. Yeah. That's what matters. I did. I feel good about it. I feel you good about it, Jake. You Gold All right. star. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Who wants to go first? I think I went first last time, so I should. Jack, let's, let's start over there. there with you. Okay. I've got a web comic. It's a daily web comic. Ooh, wow. Pretty much just the panel. The artwork's nothing to write home about. It's pretty much just scribbles, but it's got the mm-hmm. content that makes it laughable. Where it lacks in one area, it makes up for in another. Yeah, some of them, I mean, I'm sure because it's a daily comic that you can't get gold every day. 
So some of them are kind of like, <laughs> some are, huh, and some are pretty good, and I've saved a few of the good ones. So it's like Family Circus. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's called Toothpaste for Dinner. Oh, okay. And it's from a Columbus We've native, all been there, I think. Drew Fairweather. <laughs> yeah, it's just a joke of the day type of comic when you find my... Comics. I love those, though. I love the joke of the day things where you don't have time to stop and read a comic or anything. You just look you at need it like and get a, a good quick laugh. Pick me up. Yeah. You get a quick shot it. of comic. There's the yeah, artwork. They're the best. But see, I love that. That's it's. It looks like it's disorganized, but I think there's method to that. Does that make sense? It's it's precise in its lack of precision. Yes. You know? Yes. And this one, it's a little kid sitting at his desk with his hand up in the air, and he's saying, Teacher, excuse me. In proper English, her name would be Susan is Anthony. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I had to say her name proper the first time before I really, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, you got, got me. Yeah. You got me. Another one in there is a guy sitting in the dentist chair with the, the big x-ray, or not the x-ray, but the, the overhead light right in his face. And then it shows the light itself with a note that says, notice, dentist. If you molest the place, if you molest the patient, please clean up afterward. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then there's another one that uh, shows a garage and a little kid standing outside holding a bike. And it says, tired of dumpster diving? Try garage diving. And the little kid says, I found this perfectly good bike just sitting here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Has that toothpaste taste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's all I got. Toothpaste for dinner. What, is there a website to go to? or Toothpasteforddinner.com. Is is for dinner. <laughs> can't get any better. Did you that. say that already? or Not the website. Just, is it just, just assumed? Okay. Toothpaste. For it's dinner. what's for dinner. Dot com. The other white paste. <laughs> wow, that was rough, and I'm sorry. I'm better than this. I know. <laughs> All right, uh, why don't we uh, let Muhammad go next? All right, so, like, uh, I've been catching up on Saga. I'm Ooh, uh, pretty okay, far yes. behind. Yeah, I've, I've been pretty far uh, behind because of all the work, but, you know, it's one of my favorite series, so uh, I've been I've been reading that. I've also, like, every day I make sure to to wake up and read, uh, you know, the, the daily Dilbert. Oh, um, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are they still making I new ones? I didn't know he was still being I didn't made. know either, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still being updated. Uh, if you if you check out the website, there's a there's a new uh, comic strip every day. I did not know that. Mm. Yeah, he no longer has the tie that folds upwards. He's now wearing a uh, I think it's like a polo shirt because you know that's uh, that's the new software dev movement. Right. You know, they're casual <laughs> in the workplace. Absolutely. More casual yeah, yeah. work in the workplace. So I gotta exactly. ask, how uh, how far are you into Saga? I mean, if you're one page in, you're farther than me. But I'm just curious because <laughs> reading Saga, that's an undertaking. I mean, you're committing that's to something when you pick stuff, up a Saga yeah. book. Yeah, I think a bit after uh, book two, the the big book, the, right. the compilation of volumes. Yeah, I think I'm a bit after Saga book two. Bible number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty huge, but it's. Uh, it's epic. It's so good. I mean, you know, Fiona Staples has some insane artwork, mm -hmm. and uh, the writing is um, is phenomenal. I, you know, what I really love about the artwork are the backgrounds. So they do this thing where they they just make the backgrounds like there's no inking. It's just 
digitally painted the whole thing and the characters are inked so you have this amazing blend but the backgrounds feel like feel like paintings like just like you look at them and you're just in awe at at you know the locations and the scenery and the vistas the it's it's a beautiful comic to just look at uh i've heard nothing but good about it and i want to read it but again i mean this that commitment kind it's, of scares it's one me. of those comics that's like always on our radar mm-hmm. it seems like every other week it's brought up in some capacity and yeah. it won't be long until like it hits one of us and we're like oh, why did we wait this long yeah. you know exactly. i'm still on the yeah. first volume i think i don't think i've finished it yet though but right right speaking of um comics with beautiful artwork uh I don't know, uh, Muhammad, if you've ever read Low. Have you ever heard the book Low? No, I can't say I have. It's it's an image title. I know we've I've talked about it before in this segment a long time ago. But um, I can't even really say what it's about other than like a colony of people living underwater. But like big underwater cities and these big, kind of Gungan-like, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the artwork was fantastic i mean every panel was a masterpiece like it had to have taken forever and that was the main appeal to that book for me well i was at the comic book store this past sunday saw the latest issue and picked it up and the artwork has totally changed and has totally lost that really that's a shame it really is because it just i immediately was disinterested i could have given a shit what was happening in the story like oh no artwork will Man, when it's well, good I, enough, though, you can really sell a comic on a on a unique look. Oh, that you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'll tell you something. Uh, to contrast what I was saying about uh, you know the backgrounds being uh, uh, you know beautifully painted, uh, one of the comics that does inking so well is Mouse Guard. I don't know if you guys have read it. Oh, someone's mentioned yeah, Mouse Guard. Yeah, um, I don't think I've read. I don't. I haven't read it. I know that, but mm. I. I've seen it, and we might even have like a volume of it. I think we do somewhere. Wasn't there like a uh, free comic book day offering? Yeah, there yeah, was. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Then we definitely have one here. It's super. Like the artwork is just insane. That's uh. That makes me think again of another comic. Um. Uh. Squarriors. Have you ever read that? No. What was that? Uh, Devils. Was that Devils, Devil's do? do? Yeah. And what was her name? Anyway, drawing a blank. Yeah, I gotta look it up. That was a gorgeous book, and the yeah. story was just as good, um, if you ask me. But I mean, it, like something was happening to where people—I don't know if it was a virus or what—but like humanity, people were getting stupid, like becoming dumber by the day. Mm-hmm. Where a far-fetched concept, <laughs> right? Yeah. right. Yeah. If you can imagine. And uh, animals and stuff started getting intelligent, and they started, like, fighting for territory, and... I don't know, it was just really cool, really freaking cool. Ashley Witter? Does that sound right? You know, on... It's gotta be, I remember it being Ashley. It's gotta be Ashley Witter. Ashley Marie Witter. Really, really good stuff. Anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pull away from your uh, (laughs) saga. Continue. Uh, no, that's pretty much uh, what I've been reading mainly. There's, there's, you know, again, there's all the the casual stuff like, uh, you know, you read Archie, you you read the, the Daily Peanuts, you know, that kind of stuff. 
So, uh, you know, that's mostly what I have time for these days. So every time I get a chance to actually take Archie with me into the bathroom, like that's that's <laughs> how dedicated I am to reading comics whenever I have time. So, you know, it's always good um, to, to read something on the go, to read something quick. Uh, you know, the, the stories are short. The strips are fun. The characters are, you know, they're tried and true. You you grow up with them. You know, they've been there since, uh, since forever. So uh, any chance I get. To, to read those casual comics they get overlooked a lot you know people like to to talk about the big epic uh storylines and and the insane artwork and these are awesome but sometimes you know um during heavy weeks of crunch or whatever you come to really appreciate the value of those quick comic strips you know the the lovable characters the the easy art style so uh, i love these and every chance i i get i definitely definitely would go and 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 just like indulge in a in a quick uh, quick collection of of archie comics or, or peanut uh, or peanut comic strips so they're definitely they're definitely i've been i've been reading them every single week they're definitely a lot of fun. And there's something I'm, comforting about it, too. You yeah. sort of know what you're getting into, and you know what you'll get out of it. Those were some of my first exposure to comics coming up. My great-grandmother used to have the the uh, you know the long strip books you can get oh, yeah. of uh, Peanuts and Garfield and all those. Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, yeah I would just yeah. sit and just tear through those things. I'd read them over and over. They were so much fun. They were good books. Well, very good offering, man. I really enjoyed that. All right. You mind if I go next? Please do. All right. Uh, I found one online called How to Be a Werewolf. And it looks like, if I remember, I forgot to write down how often it updates. I think it's twice a week. But uh, you get a new page to this book. It's not a strip. It's like an actual book that's being paged together. Yeah. But um, it starts with a girl by the name of uh, Malaya. Malaya, I believe it is. And she's working at a Starbucks. Just some other snotty little girl there. And... You know, it starts a normal work day. They're serving the same same kind of uh, annoying customers who are very particular about their coffees and whatnot. Just being typical girls, you know. Oh, I made it just the same way as I did the first time, but he doesn't know any different. He'll think it's different, you know. <laughs> well, this guy by the name of Elias, this, this kind of hipster-looking guy comes in and orders a coffee, and he starts smelling around like a dog would, you know. But not on the ground. He's just in the air just around her. She's like, oh my god, what is going on? Let me get this guy's coffee and get him the heck out of here. You know, in front of her uh, co-worker there. So they get him his coffee and he leaves. And they kept talking about, man, what a weird experience that was. So it then cuts to her later that evening. She's off work. She's at home. And her parents are going out. And they're going to some banquet. And they're so apologetic that they have to leave her home alone. Especially on the night of a full moon. Because you all know what happens on a full moon. (laughs) And uh, so they leave. And as soon as the car is out of sight, you see this Elias character that bought the coffee and was smelling around step out of the shadows and start for the house. Well, he gets up there and knocks on the doors, tries to get uh, Malaya's attention to come outside. And she, you know, sees you're the creep from the coffee shop. Stay back. Stay back. Next thing you know, she busts out the door and attacks him. She's not full blown werewolf. She's only kind of part werewolf. And that's why, obviously, her parents were so apologetic for leaving her home <laughs> right. on a full moon. But comes to find out when she gets him down, looks at him, 
he looks the same way. He's about half human, half werewolf. They're, they're mid-transformation, but I was getting the impression this is about as far as they sure. transform. I didn't read all the way through. I don't, again, don't like to divulge much yeah, about right. these comics. Uh, that way the people go actually read them. <clears throat> but he goes, um, you know, after she's taken, like, oh, wow, you're a werewolf tool, too. He's like, yeah, and there are people who are hunting us. So, you know, we need to get going. And that's where I cut off. So he's just kind of sensing that she was... No, you sort of he's, get the impression he was looking for food, but like he's like, oh, there's another werewolf. She needs to know. Kind of exactly. Thing. Gotcha. Yeah, he he found one. He stalked her out, and he's warning her. Cool. We're being hunted. Let's go from here. And um, the artwork was really good. I enjoyed it. I can't really think of anything to compare it to, though, and I don't have any examples to show you here. I apologize. But you should uh, strongly recommend you check it out. Looks like there were quite a few chapters out, so, I mean, there's a lot of good reading there. Is it like he's the main the main character? It's like is it, she is, I think. Or like they come together and they're like a duo or something? I don't know. It's it's hmm. definitely an origin, what I was seeing. The origin of something. So yeah. it could have been their partnership is what stars through the rest of the book. I'm not sure. Um, the prelude to puppies. There. <laughs> Chapter two. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, go to howtobeawerewolf.com. And uh, the the creator, Sean Lenore, is on uh, Twitter, Instagram, all your social media handles, at Sean Lenore. Check it out, and uh, we'll be putting it on Twitter. Then there Could was I interject for a moment yeah, and absolutely. actually recommend two uh, really cool comics that I have my uh, eyes set on? And I really want to start reading this year. Yeah. Uh, the first one is called uh, Glow. Um, they're on Kickstarter. I think they actually have a Kickstarter going on, on right now uh, for issue one and issue two. I feel like I've heard of that. The artwork is fantastic. And the story seems super interesting. Um takes place at, at the end of civilization and uh, there's a lot of like magic involved and it, it just looks amazing so i'm definitely excited to, to check that one out and uh, there's another one that's uh, done by matt Crotz. it's actually a web comic uh, you can read it online and he uh, he compiles the volumes and um and uh, sells them on on Amazon, I think, and it's uh, to do with uh, with ancient Egypt. So he's an avid uh, fan of history, and he does a lot of reading. And he follows the uh, you know the historical uh, scene, and you know he's applying that in his comic. It's set in ancient nice. Egypt. Yeah, it's called Kiri. And again, the artwork is fantastic. The colors are great. Uh, I really like the way he does his text bubbles. And you know, I, I think that's that's. I'm definitely excited to 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 delve into those two comics. You know, this year. Right. So I, I definitely recommend both of them. I love uh, books that are based, you know, in our reality, which is why I think why I loved Marvel so much, just because very grounded, very yeah. grounded. You know, like when 9/11 happened, it happened in it, that it universe too. Yeah, and um, World War Two. Factors yeah. in in a huge way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I like fantasy worlds and everything, but I will always gravitate towards something that's around real history, sure, real landmarks, yeah, and stuff like that. Very cool. All right, I got something pretty fun for you guys today. This is called. Oh yeah, this is something I just kind of stumbled into. I, it was on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, it was one of those things. That just said, "Hey, new page up for such and such comic," and I'm like, "All right, I'll click the link." Brought me to a little something called Team Striker. Mind you, that's Striker with a Y. Okay. As though there's any other spelling for Striker. <laughs> <laughs> 
And my first impression seeing this comic was that this man, Andrew Grieve, or it might be Grievey, I'm not clear on the pronunciation, I've never heard it aloud, but uh, this is a man who loved him some G.I. Joe when he was younger. So I felt that connection okay. instantly. Nice. It's got that wonderful hyper-patriotic feel. It's Already on board. Violent, <laughs> but in a in a subdued kind of way. You know what I'm driving yeah. at? And uh, I was going to tell you a little bit about the first uh, first few episodes i guess missions they're separated into it's all kind of standalone which is cool but there's this wonderful characters page on the website and i thought what better way to give you a feel for the comic without like spoiling the storylines than to read to you the characters of team striker and all their code names i'm in let me start with their leader eagleheart Ooh, boy, I'm already on this. Born on Independence Day, Eagle Heart. Uh, he was born with a rare blood disease that required all of his blood and heart to be removed and replaced with the heart and blood of a bald eagle. What? His mother died during childbirth, and his father fell in action during the American Revolution. He was adopted by the Founding Fathers as part of Operation American Son. He was raised to be the ultimate patriotic warrior, and due to the uh, powerful eagle blood in his veins, he's been alive for over 200 years, serving freedom. Can I get an eagle blood transfusion? I, I mean, too, if it works that well, I'll take it. Stephen Colbert would be on his team. Like <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, then we've got Deadeye. I think this is one of my favorite. Born in Lynchburg, Tennessee, to an alcoholic single mother, uh, Deadeye learned to live on his own, enduring the elements with nothing but whiskey to keep him warm. He he was deployed to Vietnam, where he remained for thirty years after the war has ended, quote unquote, mopping up Charlie. <laughs> Oh, my God. Then you've got this character, uh, Casanova, who was adopted by two former Vegas showgirls when he was born. Uh, He became the only male member of the gymnastics team in his high school. By the end, had dated every woman enrolled, joined the army, got caught sleeping with the colonel's wife, and was fast-tracked through his training into an active war zone with no idea how to load or operate his weapons. (laughs) Wow. So that's... um, those are the type of characters you can expect to encounter in this. And I'll give you a little bit. The first mission I read, they're staking out a children's playground where they believe a weapons deal is about to go down or some shadow organization is trading a nuclear bomb or something. So they split up one person staking out the slide, another on swings. Deadeye is under the sand waiting to sprinkle a push in the sandbox. It's it's wonderful. So and I can't wait to. Read I was going to ask you how seriously does this take itself, but it doesn't. Zero percent serious. Okay, nice. cool. Ask Good. me. Ask me again. How seriously? How seriously? None. <laughs> None seriously. None seriously. It's wonderful. It sounds good. It oh, sounds like a uh, midnight Adult Swim fifteen minute show. Oh, no yeah, question. Yeah. Like, it's like Mike Tyson mystery kind of animation. I would not be the least bit surprised if that's the direction it's going. Really? If our next little Adult Swim care package is like Team Striker premiering <laughs> such and such, it'd be like, yes! yeah, it is. Yeah, called it. <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's really and cool. uh, it, worth noting, you can check it out um, at TS Comic on Twitter. Let me make sure that's correct. Yep. Andrew TSC at TS Comic on Twitter. He updates super regularly. So check it out. Team Striker. He's got a lot of really cool, like, uh, inked but not colored sketchbook pages and stuff. Dude's got some really awesome stuff on here. So I got to look into that because those character bios kind of sold me i love it yeah <laughs> that's a that's a good way to talk about something yeah, well, without you know. giving away yeah i like that all right 
very successful comic vault. Agreed. And with that, let's just turn our full attention over to Muhammad and talk about Tut and Fruits of Labor. Thanks again for being with us, ma'am. Thanks for having me. So let's start off by just telling, uh, I want to hear in your own words, you know, tell listeners a little bit about this book, what it's about and how it came to be. So I got the concept when I was uh, studying. I was actually in England uh, finishing my undergrad and uh you know, I had, uh, it, was, it was finals week. I had to submit my dissertation. I was practically sleeping at the library. You know, I was injecting coffee into my bloodstream. <laughs> and and I was just spending most of my time, uh, you know, coming up with a new comic idea. <laughs> sure. So I just, I just like uh, really focused my, uh, my efforts on, you know, where I'm from, which is Egypt. And, you know, uh, I was always fascinated ever since third grade, we had a, we had a teacher called uh, Mr. Austin and he would always, um, he was from England too. And he, he'd always, uh, take us, um, to like, uh, these mystery lands of, you know, the past and, and mythology with these books he'd bring to class. And I just get so immersed in them. And, you know, as, as I grew older, I, I traveled and, and I saw all these monuments and all these stories firsthand. And I really wanted to do something like that. And I was very inspired by, um, by Disney. You know, I, I grew up, uh, watching, uh, it, it was during the, sort of the era where they had, uh, you know, they had went a bit downhill and they were sort of reinventing themselves. It was, you know, during the Lion King, Pocahontas, Aladdin era kind of thing. So sure. I was super inspired uh, by that kind of work. Um, and I really wanted to, you know, take that art style, that quirkiness, um, that lighthearted humor and see, you know, can we translate that to ancient Egypt? Because, you know, I'm sure they sort of lived like us. I'm sure, you know, to a certain degree, you know, there was there was all types of personalities. You know, I'm sure you had that character like Tutu is ambitious but likes to loaf around. You know, he wants to chill on a summer vacation. He has a crush that he's trying to chase after. So I, I feel that, you know, you always you always hear about, you know, the kings and the warriors and the mighty ones, but you never hear about that goofy kid. And uh, we really wanted to, to sort of create that, that kind of character and see, you know, can we translate that, that Disney-inspired humor into that? And, and we, we, we found it to be such a, um, like, it, it just fit in perfectly, like a puzzle, you know? It, it wasn't uh, forced, it came naturally. And so I, I came back to Egypt after my undergrad and I assembled a team and we just took a crack at it. And uh, we we looked online for feedback. Uh, we started iterating. Uh, some of the team left to work on other projects. I started uh, working with the team abroad, and uh, we ended up doing some uh, really cool work together. We ended up completing the book. Uh, we worked on the community feedback big time, and we changed all the the things that you know they wanted to see us focus on more. Uh, and we ended up shipping this product, which I'm, I'm super happy about. You know, the, so far the reviews have been really good. And going forward, there's a lot that, that we're going to do for Toot. I think that, the, you know, this is a universe you're going to hear about a lot in the, in the, in the next few years. We're, we're really pushing the pace faster than ever you know if, if you look at our social media we haven't been updating that much that's because we're just so focused every single day on making sure that you know we're building the best uh 
franchise possible. We're building the best character possible, the best world possible. We have so much artwork in the works. We have so much writing in the works. There's so much every day where we're always battling with creative direction and how we're going to take, you know, uh, the character forward and all the adventures we have in store for Toot. And there's just so much that we want to do for Toot. There's so much he's going to explore and we just can't wait to just like um, take a crack at it and show you guys uh, when the time is right. I, well, first let me say <laughs> you just slaughtered all my questions without hardly taking a breath. So congrats to you, sir, on that. But no, this was a very beautiful book. And everything you said that you know you pulled inspiration from, boy, does it show through. Oh, in your certainly order. in terms of the art. It's spot on, that spot Disney-like feel, on. But like without you, being a carbon copy. Right. But if you, uh, I love flipping through it, too, because the, uh, the scenes kind of played out like a... Uh, it made me think I was like I was watching cartoons in the 90s after school, mm-hmm. which I feel like, I mean, you know, you said that's kind of the era you were going for, right? Yeah. I mean, we really wanted to focus on facial expressions because uh, one of the things that actually we're going to be working on going forward is that I personally, I love to see uh, less dialogue and more, uh, you know, I, I like something to be shown. So if I could do it through a facial expression rather than a statement, uh, that would that'd be perfect. But a lot of the feedback we actually got was you should have more dialogue. So we're actually adding more dialogue going forward. But to me, I just really wanted to focus on the facial expression and make sure they're spot on. They're exaggerated. You know, I love the exaggeration in in the characters when something happens, you know, and, and not just the facial expressions, the body uh, movement and the body action. So like in one of the pages, Toot steps on a, on a bucket of water and he just flips in the air. And, you know, when, when we were drawing it, you know, they'd sort of draw it and I'd be like, no, 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 it needs to be more exaggerated. It needs to fly <laughs> higher. His legs have to be so high. They're like, yeah, but the body's going to stretch. I'm like, stretch it. You know, keep the anatomy correct, but just exaggerate the hell out of it. And, you know, we just kept doing it, doing it over and over. And we got so many references. And it just ended up at some point, I was just like, yes, this is it. You know, they're, they're like, are you sure? I mean, we really had to, like, they sort of did it so stretched so that I'd be like, no, 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 just go back. And I was like, no, this is actually perfect. This is it. This is how it has to be. You right. want to stretch, we'll give you stretch. This will show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. I uh, Have you ever thought about getting this book in front of uh, people at Disney? I mean, I feel like they would see this project and be all over it. You know, what we're actually doing right now is that there are so many changes we're doing in the company. And one of them is to bring uh, advisors on board. And this is because, you know, we're, we're young. I mean, we're all in our in our mid-20s. We're hitting the ground running. We're super passionate. And to a degree, we're super naive. And, and that's great. But we need the adults. You know, we need the people that have... <laughs> it's true. You know, you need yeah. the business acumen. You need the people that have passed through this before. Uh, you know, they know the process from A to Z. They have the network they can easily make the introductions and they, they can easily tell you you know how to how to do things and how not to do things in in all fields so from from you know copywriting to hiring to to creative direction and so we're super focused on bringing on some of the greatest people we've we've been in talks with people in, in hollywood in in the uk in in dubai uh you know to to see you know 
is there opportunities uh, for collaboration and and are they interested? And, you know, the feedback we've gotten from Toot has been huge. So one of the things we're doing right now is to make sure that going forward, you know, it's not just uh, you know, a, a bunch of kids taking the chances, but we're actually trying to build this, uh, this franchise into something sustainable. And, you know, one of the things that comes with advisors is naturally the network they bring. So we're definitely excited to, to show Toot to, to a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, big people in the space and, and big companies in the space that, that have a, you know, they, they can easily make or break anything. So we want to bring Toot in front of them and we want to see, you know, are there opportunities for collaboration there too? So you know, with the advisors that we're bringing on board, I'm, I'm very hopeful that we're going to be able to, to have warm introductions to, to, to some of these companies we're talking about. Man, that would be so cool, wouldn't it? Get to take cool. it to the next step, right? Yeah, very awesome, man. And, you know, I, I just wanted to ask really quickly, um, since we're not too far into the story ourselves, just what you've shown us, are you, are you pulling historically for this character, or does he just happen to have that name? I just wondered. Well, if- yeah. So, so this isn't the the King Toot, and this isn't the Queen Cleopatra. So, okay, the, the, they just have the name. Uh, they're actually in two different eras entirely. The 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 real pharaohs, but but I'll tell you something. There's a lot of what we do that's that's historically accurate. So there's a lot of uh, there's a like our our story takes place during something called the Second Intermediate Period, um, and you know at that point. Because ancient Egypt is a huge dynasty. You're talking about like thousands of years. So there's so much that changes and goes on. And uh, we wanted to make sure that we stuck true to that to that era. So when you look at the uh, the patterns we use, uh, the materials we use, uh, the uh, the shapes uh, of the, of the temples and the tombs that we use, all this is historically accurate. We actually uh, took trips to ancient ruins and excavation sites and took a lot of pictures to make sure that we are following the uh you know the the accurate uh historicity of that era and we wanted to to really bring out uh a sense of reality to to ancient egypt however we wanted to make sure that that we aren't limited to that reality. So, you know, you you have things like their their ranks and their titles, and and you know the 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 sort of the the, the kitchen utensils and and the oven and all that is real. But you know the the names and the quirkiness and even the clothing is real. But uh, but you know we just didn't want to be limited by it to to a larger degree. You also notice in the concept art there there are a lot of uh, you, there's a lot of quirky jokes. You know you have advertisements. You have uh, you have this bookstore called Toots Bookstore that's selling Toot comics. Uh, <laughs> we actually took some Banksy street art and we turned it uh, into the the pharaonic art style. So there's a lot of like. Uh, Easter eggs involved in our in our concept art that uh, right. that we we really wanted to to sort of like flesh out ancient Egypt historically accurate but also not be limited by it to, to make sure that the world is is quirky but believable in a way. 
it makes me think of uh, the Flintstones in the same kind of way, where they have modern technology but done in like the old their style. version of it, yeah. Like their turntable is just a bird translating a time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, Flintstones was a, was actually an inspiration. And you know, as we were thinking how we should do this with ancient Egypt, you know, I kept looking back to the Flintstones and I was like, these guys are so creative. It was so difficult yeah. to try and do that. So for for it to come so naturally and like it just fits in so perfect mm-hmm. i was like that like like i was shocked at we take it for granted as viewers like oh it's it's cool how they have sort of like a like a, a shell a, a dinosaur shell as like a telephone or like a dinosaur's mouth as a toilet but like when it comes to actually creatively thinking of it it's so difficult like we had so much trouble coming up with these things I was just wondering about that. I was thinking, like, well, maybe if I, after I came up with the first few, they would they would come rolling out. But maybe that's not the case. <laughs> you know, the thing is, we wanted to make sure that, like, we could have done a, a, a like a plethora of different things, but you want to make sure that it it integrates seamlessly into the world. So there were so many ideas. There was like, oh, this would be super cool, but it's like suddenly it just sort of like doesn't fit into the holistic, you know vision that we have for the world and it's it's cool in isolation but when you add it to the world it just sort of like breaks the narrative so we wanted to to make sure that everything we added sort of has uh sort of an added value to the world we're creating but but the ideas could come from anywhere so for example the banksy street art that we added uh was actually from a coaster i had and uh, you know the artist had it on his desk and he just looked at it and he's like you know what that's a really really cool uh idea to just take that street art and just like use the pharaonic art style and just add it to the world and when we did that it actually blended in perfectly that's really cool that is so neat like it's not standing out like a sore thumb it right. just it just it works yeah so we wanted to make sure that things would like seamlessly integrate into the world people need to check this out and i the only place i could find was overpower.studio is that correct yeah but like what we're really focused on is uh, is not our website or our social media like i i would actually rather people just wait and see you know what we're going to come out with a few months from now because uh you know we think that that we're in the process of rebranding so we're no longer going to use the studio overpower name uh we feel it doesn't yeah, we feel it doesn't match with the, with you know our um, our art style, our our stories, our characters. So we're gonna be rebranding our company, and a lot of the effort that we're focusing on now as well is making sure that uh, we have a, a company name that matches, uh, a website that matches, a color scheme that matches. We want to make sure that our social media are, is like a holistic experience. We're thinking of creating, you know, consistent daily content to engage people. Mm, yeah. You know, every single day there's there's an avenue for uh, for engagement through through all the content that we're going to be creating. You know, I, when I said we have a ton of artwork, I, I meant it. There's so much that's going to be released, and uh, we're also super focused on making sure that you know. Overall, we have a holistic brand identity. So if people check the website, if people check our social media, we, we have color schemes that, you know, when, when you see them, you directly think of us. So we feel that uh, our online presence is very fragmented at the moment. And with the rebranding that's going on, uh, we think that, you know, a few months from now, we're going to have a much stronger presence. So I'd, I'd actually... Uh, 
ask people to wait because I know first impressions mean a lot. So I, I'd rather, mm -hmm. you know, people see us once we have all that content ready for release on a daily basis. Once we have that branding complete, you know, we have that that new company name and, and, and that new logo and, and website. So I, I think it's just going to be a much better experience for for readers and viewers after after, you know, we we take it to the next level and 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 you know come out with with that new studio that, that we're building at the moment sure sure we let us know uh, when that happens and then uh we'll tweet that out that way all of our listeners can sure get will. that yeah. fresh new company smell off you guys there <laughs> um one thing i want to ask you before i let you go that uh isn't directly related to your book i'm just very curious you know in the past what three four years since we've been i guess four years going on five actually yeah. since we've been doing the show we've really watched the independent comic scene uh, grow significantly around us. Um, you know, every time we go to a convention, the artist alleys get wider, they get a lot bigger and <laughs> yeah. a lot better too. The quality there is a lot better. And I'm just very curious, uh, yourself being in uh, Cairo, what's the comic scene look like over there? It's it's not very big. So a lot a lot of the comics are created locally for the local audience. Um, and you know, Egypt has a very unique art style that's not accessible by the global market. So we're actually the first company from the Middle East that's aiming to target a global audience with our work. And uh, in fact, we're going to be uh, we 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 had there's a there's a local Comic-Con here in in Egypt. We were actually the most successful booth over the 3 days and uh, you know, we plan on being at the Dubai Comic-Con uh, oh, nice. between the 4th and the 8th of April. And, uh, you know, this is also an opportunity to talk to some of our advisors face-to-face uh, -face and, uh, you know, take a, a leap forward with our, uh, with our, uh, the talks we've been having with them. And uh, at the same time, it's going to be a great opportunity to build, uh, you know, further relationships because we definitely plan to, to be at more Comic-Cons. I'm, I'm going to be uh, in the States uh, during the summer, and I'm super excited to be, you know, talking to a lot lot of people in the entertainment industry uh talk to to more advisors face to face see uh more opportunities to collaborate you, you're absolutely right when you say that that the uh, that the indie scene is brimming with potential that there's so many good content creators out there there's so so much interesting content i mean when you look at the the quality of the work today in comparison to when the indie scene first started, oh, yeah. you're seeing some great, you know, leaps and bounds that have happened over the years. Uh, you look at the artwork now and it's like, you know, where was this guy or, or where was this girl? You know, they, they, they're just doing so, so much good content and, and it's consistent. You know, it's consistently good. You, you, you see these people and you're like, where have they been? And it's... It's frequent, you know what I mean? Like, like it's yeah. not like they, they release a piece of artwork and then bounce, but somehow they have the the creative aspiration and the dedication to, to release content every single day. And because of the tools, obviously, that have uh, that have evolved with time, you know, it's much easier to get content out there. But now it means that everyone's putting content out there, so you have to be exceptional. So, you know, you're being pushed to your limit. And I, and I think that's what I love about being in the space is that we're constantly striving to make the best work possible. And, you know, the 
our, our artist uh, for Toot, she did some amazing work. I mean, when, when I look at her her artwork, I'm, I'm just in awe at how she, you know, the facial expressions and, and the quirkiness. And in the background, you're always going to see characters interacting in some way or form. And how she was just able to, to add these touches to the world. It, it's called polish you know it's it's literally just polish we we take so much time to flesh out the backgrounds uh so that we can have a more believable world so if you see toot walking you're gonna see something going on behind him and you know she was just really focused on doing that and you know i'm, I'm just super proud of uh, our work and of, of the scene as a whole because you know we're just getting better every single day as you should be proud. It's it's uh, something to be very proud of. Um, it looks gorgeous. It's gorgeous, yeah. and everyone needs to check it out. But like you were saying, we're going to wait till we get that go-ahead from you before we start really spilling out this information to our listeners. So, Mohammed, I want to thank you again so much for being here with us and, uh, too, to remind you to please send that information along to us when it is ready. Will do. You know, we can even do another podcast down the line once once we're ready. Okay. Yeah, definitely. We'll, go, we'll get on the schedule and do that, man. Thanks Sounds so much good. For Thanks us, for man. having me. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to canadairpodcast.com or see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, get some merch, patronize us from our Patreon page, vote for the Columbus, best of Columbus. Yes. I got brain farted on there. <laughs> I was the, the the Columbus Alive, best of Columbus 2018. Vote for your boys over at Candair. Category 65 if you don't feel like going through all the restaurants. Yeah, and don't feel like you have to fill out all 85 uh, options on that survey. You can just go to number 65, hit your boy's can there, and hit submit. And boy, will you have our eternal gratitude in making us, helping hopefully make us one of, or not one of, but the best podcast in Columbus. Local podcast in Columbus 2018. And if you forget, I'll be reminding you on Twitter at CandairPod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. So check us out there as well. There it is. Please vote for us, people. Please. We would love please. to. It's, please vote, please. We should say we're thrilled just to be nominated. Yeah, it's a that great feeling, yeah. but boy, would it just blow our minds collectively. It's like the Emmys. Oh, it was great to be nominated. Yeah, no one win, wants but... to have to say that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, like music artists, even if they were nominated, if you go pick up their CD in a store, it says Grammy nominated artist. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, we, we got that oh, going boy. for us already. We At least we got that if we don't win. But That's right. Boy, do we want to win. Be in our email signatures. Oh, yeah. well, whatever. <laughs> we laugh, but... Uh, <laughs> we just... Oh, we have fun at Canberra, don't we? <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm Muhammad. Thanks so much for being with us, everyone. to find you, why don't you pull out your mobile device and get on candarepodcast.com. 
Shoot, it may even help him find you. Well, that makes no sense. Hey, what are you doing near my son? Time to split. G.I. Joe! Uh, but he's also fuck. I keep fucking this up. I I've done. Uh, you good? You got. This. Bear with me. I'm barren. <laughs> I'm barren. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Just you're not a woman. That sounds like. <laughs> two two. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.